Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, you can find it in your pew Bible on page 1370. Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's official, official, officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. 
you have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to the things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than the other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was a dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you domain and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. (coughs) Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that feet, just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. 
but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor in order that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. These are the words of him who gives wisdom to the wise and understanding to the discerning. May they bring you a knowledge of salvation. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? (laughs) In our society today, we have this notion that things keep getting better all the time. We have advanced in fields of technology and science and medicine. People are living longer lives and healthier lives. The statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw, it got stronger and stronger the further down it went. Gold is soft and malleable. Yeah, iron is hard. It's useful in producing tools and weapons. But what we value is not always in line with what God values. He has a different view of things. Yes, iron is the strongest, but gold is a lot more valuable. In many ways, a stronger society gets less and less needy. And they tend not to rely on God as much. As history progresses, we become more and more self-sufficient. Where we used to have to pray for rain in order to produce the crops, now we have forecasts from experts that tell us when exactly that rain will come. And if it doesn't come, we'll just pump the water into the fields. And we used to pray for healing. Now we have vaccines and medicines and doctors to fix all of our ailments. And we've progressed in self-governance as well. We've slowly but surely removed God's authority and his governance from the equation. Instead, we look to elected officials and political philosophies to set the rules and standards of society. God has taken a back seat. His laws and his decrees have become archaic. They're no longer useful. In today's world, we put a lot of trust in ourselves and have very little need for a God to rescue us. We don't look for salvation from our sins because we have figured out that that sinfulness isn't defined by what we do, but by what our opponents are doing. In the end, we've become our own masters, and we've established our own utopia. We believe that we are wise, 
And that salvation comes from us. But true salvation cannot be achieved by the ideas of men. No, true salvation, it comes through God's wisdom. Technology, medicine, democratic governments, they all offer a false sense of security. Yet in the end, they all fail to bring any eternal hope. True peace only comes through one who is eternal. Only God can bring about a salvation that is both tangible and real. Last Sunday, we read through Daniel 1, and we learned that Daniel and his three friends, they were taken away from their homeland, and they were stripped of their Jewish identity. But no matter how powerful a king is, you cannot steal away a man's faith. Daniel didn't want to defile himself with the king's food. So for 10 days, they tested, tested it out. And he and his friends ate nothing but vegetables and drank only water. And though they were now in Babylon and far away from the temple of their God, God was still with them, and they grew fatter by the day. They discovered that God's sovereignty extends to all regions of the earth. Daniel and his friends, they were comforted by this fact. And their faith had grown because of it. And this leads us to our passage for today in Daniel 2. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's having dreams. And in Babylonian culture, dreams were considered the way that the gods communicated with people. And kings in particular, they had a special connection with the gods. And so this king's dreams were significant. Yet, dreams are often symbolic in nature and in need of interpretation. And this particular dream of Nebuchadnezzar's, it really disturbed him. It wasn't a normal dream. He knew that it was significant, so he summoned all the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to him. Back then, there were basically two methods to interpreting dreams. There was first the deductive method. A dream would be told, and a book was actually opened up, and each symbol was referenced to give the meaning for that dream. Yet a second technique was often employed as well, an inductive method. And here the diviner would use his or her own intuition to discover the truth of the dream. Yet in the kingdoms of old, all too often, interpreters would not give the truth of the dream to the king for various reasons. For instance, some sometimes when a dream foretold of grim tidings, the interpreter would be afraid of the king. The bearer of bad news often suffered bad consequences. Yet some of the more greedy and more power-hungry interpreters, they would change the meaning of the dreams for their own political or financial gain. Often, these magicians and astrologers and such, they would collude with one another on their interpretations in order to convince the king that these phony interpretations of theirs were true. And from verse 9 in our text, we see that this had obviously happened to King Nebuchadnezzar in the past. The text said that they had conspired to tell him misleading and wicked things. Nebuchadnezzar did not want to be fooled again. And this dream was so disturbing to him that he put forth this decree 
verses 5 and 6. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he needed confirmation on this particular dream. He needed an authentic and trustworthy interpretation. So he puts this test before his diviners. They needed to tell him what the dream was before they could interpret it. This is an impossible test. What the king asked is beyond their skill set. Listen to how they answered the king in verses 10 and 11. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among men. They were right. No king had ever demanded such a thing. Because it was impossible. I mean, he may have well asked them to start flapping their arms and fly to the moon. They believed that the only ones who could reveal this to the king were the gods. Yet these gods, these Babylonian gods of theirs, they were distant. They were impersonal. They couldn't communicate the king's dreams. They do not live among men. You see, these gods, they're they're not real gods at all. In our first scripture reading from today, we, we see what the one true God has to say about these false gods of Babylon. Isaiah 46, verses 1 through 7. Bel bows down, Nebo stoops low. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. The images that are, car- that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth. Even to your old age, and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. Though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. These false idols would not help these diviners of Nebuchadnezzar because they could not help them. They were worthless. They only offered a false hope. They could not bring about salvation because they did not live among men. If only there was one who did live among men. 
Well, this decree of the king has been made, and it meant death to all the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel and his friends. The king sent out Ariok, the commander of the guard, the one who did the dirty work of the king. The slaughter was about to commence. Yet Daniel had gifted God with both tact and wisdom. So he asked Ariok, why such a harsh decree? When he heard the reason, he didn't hesitate, but he went straight to the king and asked for time for him and his friends. He wanted to be given a chance to interpret the king's dream. Let's see what verses 17 and 18 say. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. These four Jews, they trusted in God concerning their diets, and God had proven to be with them. Now their lives are in jeopardy, and they must rely on Yahweh once more to rescue them. So they seek him in prayer. They trust that this God is both wise enough to know Nebuchadnezzar's dream, yet merciful enough to reveal that to them. Yahweh is their only true help. He is their only real hope. If God does not come through for them, then they will suffer under the wrath of the king, and they will perish. But let's see what happens. Verses 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God, of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. The gods of the Babylonians were not able to reveal this mystery to the wise men. Yet the God of Daniel reveals deep and hidden things. And we see that once Daniel received this vision from God, he doesn't go straight to the king, but prays once more, giving thanks to his God, to his rescuer. His prayer it highlights two characteristics of God. First, God is wise. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. And he made known to Daniel the king's dream. Nothing is hidden from God. The things that we keep secret and that, that we think are safe, he knows. Even our very thoughts and our very dreams cannot be hidden from God. Second, God is powerful. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. Light dwells with him. And he empowered Daniel with the knowledge that would save him and his friends. The rulers of this world believe that they have power. But God 
is the master of human history. He reigns over the most powerful of kings and leaders, whether they know it or not. God is both wise and powerful. And he used both of these attributes to rescue Daniel and his friends by revealing to them deep and hidden things. God has revealed himself to you through his word and through his son. Just as Daniel was rescued through God's disclosure, you too are saved through revelation. He has shown to you his plan of salvation. He has shown to you his son. And just as Daniel needed rescuing from the wrath of a king, because of your sins, you too need to be rescued from the wrath of God. Yet the message of the cross came to you. Jesus died for your sins. His blood was shed to pay the penalty that you deserved. And God chose to reveal this to you. If you trust in Christ, you will be saved. Well, eventually Daniel does go to the king, verses 24 and 25. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. And as we see here, salvation does not come just to these four Jews, but to all the wise men in Babylon. Daniel has compassion on them and tells Arioch not to execute them. Just as Jesus loved his enemies, so too Daniel, he had compassion on these lost pagans. It gives us a glimpse of God's ultimate plan of salvation. Salvation doesn't just belong to the Jews, but salvation goes out to the peoples throughout the whole earth. Let's continue. Daniel asked the king if he knew his dream, and Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel wants it known that he is not special. Only Yahweh can reveal such a thing to the king. Daniel What he's doing, he's being a witness to the king. He's being an evangelist. He wants Nebuchadnezzar to know that these deep and hidden things that were revealed to him, they were revealed not because he had greater wisdom than other living men, but so that the king may know the interpretation and that he might understand what was going on in his mind. Not only is Yahweh wise enough to know the king's dream, but he is gracious enough to reveal the mystery to the king. You see, Daniel, he's acting as a mediator between Nebuchadnezzar and God. This king, he was greatly distressed. And this God of the Jews now comes to him through his servant Daniel, revealing this mystery that has been troubling his mind. In verses 31 through 35, we discover what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. 
You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, scholars, they'll disagree on the interpretation of this dream, particularly on the issue of which kingdom represented which metal or part of the statue. And the text only tells us that the head of gold represented Nebuchadnezzar or Babylon. The others, they're not mentioned. But the point isn't to get the exact kingdoms right. The purpose of this dream is to understand the greater message concerning the rock that was not cut by human hands. What is this rock? Why does it smash all these other kingdoms? To Nebuchadnezzar, this statue must have been very impressive. Yet the rock turned it into chaff. In the end, the wind blew it all away. It was nothing. But the rock grew into a mountain covering the whole earth. This fifth kingdom is not a man-made kingdom. This fifth kingdom is established by God. And though it starts off small, it'll grow and spread throughout the whole earth. It's fixed like a mountain. It's eternal, unshaken. Human kingdoms fail. Yet the kingdom of God is everlasting. Brothers, sisters, Christ is this rock. He did not come by the will of men. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. His coming was the will of God. The final solution to all earthly kingdoms is Christ. Only his kingdom will endure. This is the dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, he was a great king. Daniel called him the king of kings. Yet he was only a faint shadow of the king that was to come. God is slowly revealing himself to this man of power through his servant Daniel. This Jewish slave, he has become a mediator between the God of heaven and this earthly king named Nebuchadnezzar. Let's see how our story ends. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him 
He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel is now acting as a priest for Nebuchadnezzar. The king's prostration, his bowing before Daniel, is really a sign of respect for Daniel's God. It's interesting to see that the most powerful man on earth that day was bowing before a Jewish slave. Again, we can just get that little glimpse of Christ in this story. There's going to come a time when every king on this earth will bow before a Jew. But Nebuchadnezzar, he's just starting to learn about this God of heaven. This, this Yahweh, he is, sure, he is greater than all those Babylonian gods who failed at his task. Yet, Nebuchadnezzar, to Nebuchadnezzar, that doesn't mean that God, this God of heaven is the only God. You see, he's still polytheistic. He still believes in many gods. Yet, he is one step closer to true faith. And Daniel and his friends, they go from having a death sentence placed upon their heads to being exalted to positions of honor and privilege in the kingdom. They were dead men, but now they have authority. It was Christ who truly died, but now sits at the right hand of the Father. He suffered a criminal's death, but rose in glory. Dear friends, too often we look to ourselves to fix our problems, whether it's trust in government, whether it's technological advances. We don't always see our true need. We don't see the depth of our depravity, and we don't understand our necessity for a Savior. Salvation cannot be achieved by human merit or by human means. Human wisdom will not win the day. Only by God's wisdom does salvation come to you. Only he can reveal deep and hidden things. The magicians and the sorcerers, they could not get the answers that they needed from their Babylonian gods. They were dead men walking because their gods did not live among men. Yet we know of one who did live among men. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world and went to the cross. He died so that you may live. No president, no king, no doctor, no app on your phone can rescue you from the flames of hell. Only Jesus. Turn from your sins and trust in him. Daniel and his friends, they had a death sentence upon their heads. Yet they had to rely on the God of heaven to save them. Only Jesus could reveal to them deep and hidden things. And it is only Christ who can rescue you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
we confess that too often we put our trust in the powers of this world. We ask now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and open our eyes to your eternal wisdom. Help us to rely on you for our salvation and in nothing else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.